Coming up on this edition of AM on the FM, you're hearing double, not seeing double, hearing double. What does that mean? We got two Alex in the building. Yeah, you're not tripping. Sports, entertainment, music, and so many types of chaos, all on the same wavelength. It's AM on the FM. Indeed it is. Welcome on back. I know it's been a bit of a hiatus. Had to get the mentors right. Busy life. But you know how it goes. We start off AM on the FM podcast edition. Instead of a question of the day, we got a quote of the day. The quote is, February is the time that you put the evil eye and the pride aside from Aubrey Graham, a.k.a. Drake, uh, from Slime You Out. Because I'm just on that kind of energy lately. I can't go into details because I really don't have details. I'm just feeling that way. And... If you haven't caught on, a lot of the time, these quotes of the day from AM on the FM end up being Instagram captions at Alec on the radio. should check me out there. It's the end of February, so you know what that means. My once-a-month post is coming up here in a matter of days. So go check me out and follow me on TikTok as well. I'm actually going to start posting on TikTok because it is very useful. But I mentioned it that you're hearing double. You are absolutely hearing double because we have two Alex in the building today. The Creator's Corner is back. We're going to start having guests on the show again. And we start with KRLD AM, producer extraordinaire, podcast host, all things New Orleans Saints, NFL. He's your guy and can make you laugh along the way. His name is also Alec, but it's not Alec Medford. It's Alex Solace. He is in the building. What's up? Name twin. How's it going? <laughs> Thanks for joining the show. Appreciate you as always. Uh, what it do, baby? But uh, no, seriously, Alec, appreciate you having me on. We've been talking about doing this for a minute and the schedule's finally lined up to get this done. So uh, I'm excited, my dude. Uh, two, two Alex, two different Mansfield schools, two different colleges in Texas, and we are now under one company in Dallas for radio. So uh, we did it, my guy. I know it's like everything was the same, but then it was all different in terms of school. And now it's all the same again. So, um, yeah, we are yep. quite literally radio brethren, um, in same terms mentor. of, yeah, in terms of <laughs> who taught us, who, uh, who signs our checks every two weeks, like the building we work in, like it, we are quite literally bonded by uh, radio blood. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it was quite the shock value when I realized that there was another Alec in the building. And not only that, he went to the same career tech school that you did in high school. And not only that, yep. like you are basically already the same, but, you know, you work in the same building. He's got your name. Like you all have the same interests. It's, it's incredible. Very small world. But. Uh, shout out to Nate Wood. You know, we wouldn't Seriously. be here without him. Seriously. Since, he, since you mentioned it. What a goat. Seriously, man. What, man, the goat among goats. Former teacher of the year in Mansfield and deservedly so. And we should we should submit a question to Stephen Anna's podcast and say, what do you think about Nate Wood as like goat teacher of all time? Just see what he says. And he would probably have an answer. He always I mean, does. Would it be as long as the 10 minute rant he did on the Pelican social media team? Because, uh. I mean, that was a, uh, I don't know if you've seen that or not, but he like gave like a, t a whole 10 minute rant on the uh, 
Pelicans to the <laughs> to the social yeah, media team. His war against that franchise and especially Zion Williamson is quite fantastic. So yeah. it makes yeah, for great I, content. I, you know, this this podcast is based around the idea in the theory of chaos. So I'm here for it. I'm, I'm, I'm always here for it. If we're being totally honest, you know how we roll around here, but uh, we got plenty to get to. I do want to do a little bit of get to know the other Alec. We'll get into that in the second half of the program, but, Mm -hmm. um, or I could go Pat McAfee and say program. Um, but I will not, (laughs) not right now, at least Uh, shout out Pat McAfee. I, I love Pat. I really do. I think he gets unnecessary hate. I wish Maybe I, that's I wish something I could, we could talk about. I wish he could rock a tank top like he does. I know. Like I, I don't. He does it year round. I can mm-hmm. only do it during the summer because here in Texas, you know, it likes to get to up to like 104 degrees in July. So, you know, I, I definitely did that a lot this past summer, and it wasn't something I really did before. If we're being totally honest, because you know, uh, your boy wasn't always the biggest. Always uh, was kind of the small kid in town, so. I didn't think tank tops were for me because I was scrawny, but then I decided to wake up and get in the gym, and now I'm like, okay, a tank top actually fits the aesthetic. So let's go, let's yeah. go. Sun's out, guns out, baby. You know how we go. You know how we go. But we do have actual topics to get to. Um, before we get super unserious again, because it's going to happen later in the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Some stuff, obviously. I mentioned that we have similar interests and one, you know, very common interest at the top of both of our lists is the NFL and football in general. But um, this time of the year is always interesting to me because a multitude of reasons. One, there's no games going on, obviously. But two, the fact that there's no games going on, but there is still plenty going on around the league and plenty to talk about. And thinking about, you know, this is the last week of February. Felt like it went by so fast. But uh, the last week of February, heading into March, what do you start seeing more of? Mock drafts and NFL combine conversations. And this is the time of the year that the NFL competition committee gets together. And that's where our focus is going to be starting off. This episode is the competition committee getting together and uh, rules and rule changes are being proposed by various teams. This happens each and every year. We have seen things change this time of the year for certain things, uh, certain aspects of the game. You will start to see conversations about the hip drop tackle. You will start to see conversations about uh, the kickoff return and the kickoff in general, the mechanics of that, XFL-style kickoff rules. Will those come to the NFL eventually? And then one that we've already seen or we heard from Stephen Jones of the Cowboys, he told reporters, um, I want to say on Tuesday at the Combine, that um, the touchback whenever a fumble rolls out of the back of the end zone, that the change that was proposed to that is dead in the water. That play is going to stay, and that play sucks. So that's not cool, but... (laughs) You usually see things like this happen where, you know, like the, especially the world of social media will get really caught up on something like this needs to go. And then the league is like, nah, we really don't care. And that is your friendly reminder that Twitter is not a real place. Uh, But one that 
did come across the table that I think will gain some traction in both league offices and uh, social media is one from Andrew Barry, the Browns general manager. He is proposing and has officially submitted it. Uh, the proposal to move the trade deadline in the NFL back to the Tuesday following week 10, which right now is the exact same after week eight, meaning it would be an additional two weeks added to the NFL trade deadline. Uh, Other Alec, I know that you cover the Saints and... So you've seen your fair share of big deals and trades and contracts handed out. I mean, hell, y'all just traded your head coach a couple of years ago. Um, Yeah, we did. Yeah, so you've seen deals be made and you've seen championship caliber teams. You've seen uh, even just as recently as a few years ago, a team go to the NFC championship. You've seen uh, you've seen a Super Bowl in your lifetime. So. You, you've seen winning efforts and you've seen what championship rosters look like. So I'm interested to see what your perspective would be on moving this trade deadline back. Do you think that it would move the needle for you personally? Do you think that it would allow for more deals to be made? Do you think less deals happen because of this? Because maybe teams have more time to think over a certain package and what it would take to get one player versus all the assets they would have to give up. Where, where do you stand on the pendulum of, you know, good versus evil in terms of adding more time to the trade deadline? So I think it's a, it, first of all, I think it's a great proposal by Andrew Barry. And I think it's kind of funny how, uh, you know, Peter Brand, who is, you know, famously the guy from Moneyball, who the Oakland A's build up their team is on the uh, front office staff for the Browns. And I believe in Andrew Berry's, uh, when he was interviewed and asked about this, he mentioned a bunch of analytics, data, uh, you know, numbers, statistics, things like that as to why this should work for the NFL. I find it real funny that uh, <laughs> Peter Brady on staff and probably very much had a big hand in that. So shout out to Moneyball, man. Great movie. Um, hey, man. But it facts. But I think you know, to the point you were making, I think, uh, you know, if you were to extend the deadline uh, by a couple of weeks, which it should have been to begin with because you extended the regular season by a week to make it 18 weeks versus 17. Um, I think it's great. I think this gives teams more opportunities to try and make big swings for big players, especially when, you know, normally at the deadline, which is kind of close to the halfway point of the season, you kind of get a better idea where teams sit record wise. So if there's a team that is, you know, obviously at the halfway point, going to be looking towards next year more rather than the second half of the season. If there are some talented players that are, they're going to try and ship off for uh, future assets, whether that be players or picks. And there are teams that are, you know, on the opposite end of that spectrum. If they're, you know, you know, almost undefeated or have, you know, two or three losses and they're trying to get that that missing piece to put it over the top for a playoff, you know, Super Bowl type run. Uh, I think if you extend the deadline, I think it's great. You're bound to have more trades happen, you know, from that perspective. And I think, um, you know, I've seen the Saints do it several times. I remember back in 20, 2018, I want to say, the year uh, we signed Des Bryant uh, as a free agent. And <laughs> <Yeah>. original, <laughs> yeah, you know, you- that did not actually happen. 
Yeah, he was there for one practice and then popped his Achilles that same practice. Uh, it, was just, it was shorter than Aaron Rodgers' Aaron Rodgers' uh, Jets debut. So wow, uh, that should tell you all you need to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but leading up to that, the Saints actually were in talks with the Bengals about acquiring AJ Green from a trade. Uh, it didn't work out, and I think one of the big factors was obviously just the amount of time that you know they discussed the deal couldn't get done. Um, but you know, say if you're a team and you need a few more games to determine where you sit record wise as far as the playoff picture is concerned, then yeah, if you're going to lose those last uh, those next couple games, and you know you're kind of thinking, hey. Guys, let's uh, maybe just look towards the draft in the offseason, who we need to bring in rather than trying to make a push for the playoffs. It makes all the sense in the world to try and uh, trade away guys rather than try and compete. So I think it'd be great for the sport. It should happen. Um, and I'm just kind of surprised it had happened. I, I I didn't even think about it until today when Andrew Barry, Andrew Barry brought this up. But it's a great thing. It's a great point. I think it should happen. I think it should as well. I'm right there with you. And well, it, it makes sense to give teams that flexibility. And I know that's what Barry was kind of harping on talking to reporters is that flexibility is important, especially in this sport that is an absolute war of attrition. And we call it the car wreck sport for a reason. Um, and, you know, there's research and whatnot numbers that you kind of hinted at. Uh, for example, Major League Baseball and the NBA have their trade deadlines around 65% through the regular season. And the NHL's trade deadline is 78% through the season. And you compare that to the NFL's deadline, it comes after 48% of the games have been played. Some NFL teams, they've played eight of their 17 games. Some have played nine. Mm -hmm. And this proposal would push it over 50%. So over the halfway mark to 55%. So. I see that number helping maintain that competitive integrity of the season so you don't have a player getting dumped late in the year. Like, uh, you know, think of like uh, Shaq Leonard. and You'll start to see, I mean, it's a different sport, but you saw it in Major League Baseball where the Angels made those trades at the deadline to try to be competitive again. They just could not win a game to save their lives, so they just waived every guy they traded for so they didn't have to pay them. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? That gives a fringe wildcard team the chance to go pick up those guys for next to nothing, and automatically, they're contenders just because they got three veterans added to the team in, in areas of concern. It's incredible. It really is. And... Like it's almost like awe inspiring when you watch it, when you see that happen, because it's like, how is this allowed? And it'll stop that from happening. And I mean, you've even seen it um, past couple of years where you're having guys come off the couch to help some of these teams win playoff games. And it's like that, that stuff wouldn't be happening is Barry's point is that that stuff wouldn't be happening if you were to extend that deadline. So it retroactively corrects the deadline uh, not moving whenever the NFL season expanded from 16 to 17 games back in 2022. And Barry's uh, one of his many points about this. He said it's also going to be proactive if the schedule eventually gets to 18 regular season games. So uh, 
Another thing that he threw out there that was kind of interesting, he did say that over the last 10 years, the earliest any team has been officially eliminated from playoff contention, week 11. And that's only happened exactly. twice since 2014. Yeah, everyone's in it, you know, up until probably the week, what, probably 13-ish, maybe, you know, 12. Yeah. You know, if you're really bad, like the Panthers last year, that's kind of like when you're officially eliminated. And I think another point, look, the NFL prides itself on, you know, its product and, you know, making every everything a spectacle of that, right? The draft, the combine, uh, free agency frenzy. We you know when, when the league year officially starts and guys, you know, start getting signed and whatnot. So could you imagine in the NFL just push back the trade drama a few more weeks to see what storylines they can create with guys getting hurt? Uh, not yeah. that we want that, but it, players getting injured or, you know, players getting suspended or, you know, whatever it might be, you can just create more storylines and drama by pushing that the, the deadline back a few weeks to see what you can create out of it. And then make it make another spectacle view like a like a must watch event out of the trade deadline watch. Yeah, and that's what the NBA thrives off of. Their trade yep. deadline is so wild. And part of it is because their structure is different, not just in terms of the deadline, but the fact that their draft only has two rounds and their contracts and their money works a little bit differently. I get that. but mm-hmm. And the deadlines you know, during the All-Star weeks, like everybody's just focused on the NBA on top of the deadline. Exactly. And we, and we talk about the NFL being kings of marketing and the kings of branding and exposure, but it seems like the NBA and even Major League Baseball to an extent have them beat in that category because I remember last season, you know, before we even knew the Texas Rangers were going to be true contenders for the world series championship that trade deadline week was just so frantic you know everybody was on edge like they're gonna make moves because this team is so good now like they're gonna make moves where do they look and look they ended up making moves that were huge and won them a title but they made moves that were talked about and they made moves that are still being talked about because Jordan Montgomery hasn't re-signed and he hasn't signed with any other team. Like the, these things can live in infamy and they can be, you know, screamed from the rooftops for years to come. But the NFL hasn't embraced that. And it's kind of wild considering they play so much less than these other sports. So their margin for error, these NFL teams, mm-hmm. is a lot smaller. You know, they, they got to make those decisions and they got to make moves right now. If they think that their core is good enough to win playoff games, but it's not good enough to win a Super Bowl, you got to make moves. And there's not really enough time and also, in a weird way, not enough incentive to do so. Right. And, you know, I think another point you mentioned, you know, taking it back to baseball, when the uh, uh, when the Angels decided to cut all those players that they uh, traded for the deadline, could you imagine if there's like, so like last year, right, the NFC South winner was the Buccaneers, right? They were 9-8 and eight to finish the year. They got hot towards the end of the season. Could you imagine if, you know, they went out and traded for, you know, some star defensive player, offensive player right before they got hot to really – Really make you think, wow, the Bucks really could do something here, despite them being nine and eight and winning the NFC South, which was kind of viewed as like the worst division in football, or like 
the Texans with CJ Stroud. Like they got hot in the second half of the season. And could you imagine like, holy crap, they have all this young talent, a great young head coach. And if they had gone out and traded for like, say a, a Saquon Barkley on a one-year rental because the Giants obviously weren't in contention, right? Like, could you imagine the the you know, just the monstrosity that could have happened? You know, with you know pushing these uh, these fringe wild card, you know, slash, you know, maybe seven six win division uh, team winners to the, like that next level. That would have been that, that quite literally would have changed the complexion of yes, like the entire yes. postseason. So, yeah, I, I mean, I see the logic behind all of this. And, you know, Barry even said, like, they asked him, the media did when he proposed this, like, what is the, you know, the pushback on this? What, what's the downside? And he said, I can't even tell you because I don't see any reason why people would disagree with this. I, I, I do think that if this goes to vote to the owners, I don't think it'll be unanimous but I do think it'll pass just because of what you said. How can we continue to make spectacles? Mm -hmm. How can we continue to build events? Because, I mean, look at us right now. Literally, look at yourself in the mirror and realize what you're doing right now. You are talking about the NFL when we are weeks removed from the Super Bowl (laughs) and we have Major League Baseball spring training going on. We have NBA basketball. We're in the back half of the regular season when things are getting important and getting tight. And we're not talking about that. We're not talking about the stars making a playoff push here in Dallas. We're not talking about the NHL. We're not talking about college basketball. Any of that. We're not talking about college football, you know, to keep it in the same sport. We're talking about the National Football League at the end of February. You know, this is what the league wants. And if Mm -hmm. the league really wants it, they're going to move this deadline back to create more pandemonium. That's the only option. Exactly. And I think, again, like like, like Andrew Burris, like, what exactly is the negative connotation about moving the deadline back a few weeks? Like, who does it harm? Like, it, I, there's no situation where you kind of look at this and go, this, th- this would be stupid. There's no way you should do this. Like, there's no... There's no way whatsoever. And I'll even raise you this. I think for bad teams, this could be good as well because let's say you have like a 2023 or a 2022, excuse me, uh, Minnesota Vikings where absolute paper tiger. They have double digit wins, you know, at the end of the season, all said and done, but they get wiped in the playoffs. So let's Mm -hmm. say we have one of those that is growing like it's it's in the process of building up to that point and they've only lost by the trade deadline at this point it would be you know week 10 so they would have played let's say they played all 10 of those weeks so if they played 10 games and let's say they've gone six and four you know they're Mm -hmm. they're over 500 or even five and five but they're kind of drinking their own kool-aid where it's like we just haven't played our best football yet and we're just a few pieces away. But let's say that 10th game, they go against a real contender. They go against the 49ers, and they lose 45 to 14. You know, and they sit down, they look at the tape, and heading into that Tuesday, they're like, we're just not good enough, and it's not going to work with this group of guys. So instead of adding they go and trade their valuable guys 
for premier assets, and then they retool next year in the draft. That, you know, it, it goes both ways. It doesn't just benefit the good teams that are close and that could be in the Super Bowl that season. It could even benefit the bad teams. I don't see any reason to go against it. So exactly. I, I I think it's a conversation very much worth having. And it's something that the owners are seriously going to have to consider. So uh, fun topic that I didn't expect to come up. Uh, did not expect. I, I thought that the uh, competition committee meetings and everything, uh, the conversation would be surrounding kickoffs and touchbacks, you know, for fumbles out of the end zone. But uh, pretty, pretty interesting conversation being raised by the Cleveland Browns front office. And especially when you consider that their playoff quarterback was a free agent that they signed off the couch. So it all makes sense here. And I think that it is definitely a uh, conversation that the league offices need to have. Now, switching gears, I'm going to give you an option because you are a guest. You get to choose your own path. The two paths I'm going to give you, since we have already been yapping for about 25 minutes, mm-hmm. we can either go fully nonsensical and fun <laughs> life conversations, or we can talk about the Cowboys uh, because they're out here making headlines per usual. But um, we we can do either or. I'm letting you choose our own adventure here. I mean, hey, look, I, I I am a man who's all about the uh, the the story based life decisions. Um, look, we're both we're both okay. named Alec, right? So this is true. I I say we, we I say we go for it. We go for let's, let's can we can we knock out both? I think we can. I think we can knock out both. Okay, so you got that dog let's in start you with the Cowboys. Yeah, I got the dog in me. We can do it. We are recording this in the evening. Uh, So, of course, a little bit of a lack of caffeine is kicking in. But, you know, through concentrated power of will, like Fort Minor told us years ago, um, (laughs) you know, I think we can get through this. So Mm -hmm. we will we'll, we'll stick to sports for now. You know, we're not a radio station, so we don't have to listen to anybody's rules here, but we'll stick to sports. And um the Dallas Cowboys, couple of different conversations that we could go here, but um, I think the big one that happened earlier in the week was Stephen Jones at the Combine was asked about uh, his father, Jerry, in case you didn't know, um, his comments about going all in after the playoff mm-hmm. loss and this offseason going all in. And Steven starts off by saying, I've never known Jerry to not be all in. And it's like, okay, well, now you just killed that quote because that tells us, at least from your perspective, that nothing is going to change. So that being said, you've got the lame duck head coach. You had to go scrape from the bottom of the barrel for a new defensive coordinator. And that's not a shot at Mike Zimmer. That's just... Uh, it's it's fact of the matter because you've got the one year head coach, and nobody wants to coach for that guy because they don't know if they're going to have a job at the end of the year. So, mm-hmm. um, lots of weird moving pieces, and 
now with Stephen Jones kind of negating what we thought would be a not-so-budget-friendly offseason, feels like it's going to be more of the same. Uh, when you hear Stephen Jones say that, you know, he's never known Jerry to not be all-in, and then he went on to kind of say, you know, we need guys that are going to show up in the playoffs. Um, what do you what do you take away from that, and where do you think they go from here? Because I, me personally, it, it feels like more of the same is going to happen. It, it feels like they are going to be stagnant. feels like mm-hmm. no free agent moves are going to happen now. Because I, I won't lie, I drink the Kool-Aid a little bit. Just a little bit, not 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 the whole uh, cup of it. Just uh, maybe about half, because if Jerry saying that after a abysmal playoff exit, uh, it felt a little more genuine, and it felt like this was the year to do it because you've got the expiring head coach deal, you've got a quarterback that you know needs new money, you've got a wide receiver that needs new money, you got a damn near generational pass rusher that needs new money. Like I feel like this was the year to do it, but now I personally, I don't know what they do. And I, I think for me, it starts with the running back position because Tony Pollard, not under contract either. Uh, there, there's a lot of questions to be answered. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of reform my question for you. I'm going to say, <laughs> instead of whatever I said earlier, what, where do you start? You know, all things considered, they're, right now they're still over the cap, but that won't last for, uh, for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that they're about negative 8 million in terms of cap, so really not that bad. They'll get that figured out. Um, wh- where do you begin? Because for me... I'll, the obvious answer is Dak Prescott. They're they're going to give him a new deal that's going to lower his cap it. We know that. We already know They that. have to. Outside yeah. of that, like in terms of actually improving the roster, where do you look because you got to fix that running game. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're Stephen Jones, and I'll just say this as a guy who's, you know, covered the Saints for as long as I have now, uh, the the approach Mickey Loomis has had every offseason where the Saints are, you know, damn near 70, 80 million over the cap every year and they restructure, they uh, they re- renegotiate these deals with their veteran players, get under the cap. They're still able to bring in guys. Uh, I remember two years ago, um, Malcolm Jenkins retired, Mar- Marcus Williams left for Baltimore free agency, the Saints were able to, and they, at that point they were still 70 over the cap. They got under the cap. They were able to bring in Marcus May from the Jets, who was a fine safety, and bring in Tyron Matthew, and bring in Jarvis Landry. And that didn't work out, but they still brought him in nonetheless. Um, so to me, that's kind of the definition of going all it is, the way the Saints have approached the offseason every year, because they just do, they refuse to rebuild and, and just start over. But if I'm the Cowboys, I think it's simple. I think you got to start with this rushing game. Obviously, the, the offensive line, I thought, was pretty well last year. You know, you had three uh, all-pro caliber players and 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 Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith, and Zach Martin. Tony Pollard, to me, is a guy who really hasn't – I never viewed Pollard as a, a true lead back in the backfield. I think he was just much better as a complementary piece, you know, to a guy like Zeke who was, uh, you know, that power. He was that power back who would – Pass block, gain the tough yards up the middle, uh, could catch the ball out of the backfield when asked to. And 
you know, if you're the Cowboys, I think you're looking at guys like, I mean, this is a very good running back free agent class. I know obviously people want Saquon Barkley, who's probably the crown jewel of this class, but I mean, Derrick Henry, you have Josh Jacobs, you have, I mean, you know, despite him being awful last year, Austin Eckler is going to be a free agent, so you can look at that as an option. Um, I think the running game will take pressure off Dak Prescott. I think you saw that a lot, especially in the late, the latter part of the season. I think teams realized the Cowboys really couldn't run the ball all that well. So if you just kind of put the pressure on the passing game, Dak will either deliver or he won't. Um, so I, it's tough because, you know, for me, from, from at least from my perspective, Alec, and you would know this better than I would, but it seems like the Cowboys are almost, they're, they're scared to play with house money in the sense of the salary cap. I've seen the Saints go, <laughs> they've, they've, they, they will convert nearly, or, you know, over $100 million in cap get under the cap um, and then still go out there and be aggressive and, and sign in the guys that they want. And the Cowboys, you know, when they're 20 over or when they're 20 under the cap and they have the money and the flexibility, they get scared. They won't run the credit card. And um, I just never bought into the idea of them being, you know, quote all in because every year, like you said, it's the same thing every year. And, you know, I think in those earlier, like, 2000s, you saw Jerry try and go all in, you know, by, you know, trading for Roy Williams, the wide receiver. Um, you know, they swung big in the draft and, you know, missed several times on several, you know, Bobby Carpenter, Felix Jones. Um, so you, you saw Jerry try and swing and recapture the magic of the 90s and the 2000s, and it just did not work. Um, and now you're seeing Steven, you know, play this much more safe, conservative, build through the draft, uh, sign some, you know, cheap veterans, low risk kind of guys. And, you know, it's gotten you 12 wins, but you just need to be a little more aggressive and to get over that hump. And maybe that is bringing in a Saquon Barkley to this offense to really give Saquon probably the best line he's had in his career and put him over the top. Um, but you know, it's going to be tough and you're going to be something like Dak is going to be here at least for the next couple, next couple of years, you know, when you redo this contract. So it's tough, but I think you have to start with the run game because that defense, I don't think it's tough. I don't think, I don't think the defense is going to be as good with Dan Quinn gone. Uh, that's just a matter of the fact. So the run game is going to be a key. You have the offensive line, I think on paper, assuming Tyron comes back, um, so it starts with the run game. Go get your crown jewel at running back, whether it's Derrick Henry, whether it's Josh Jacobs, whether it's Saquon. That's going to help you. That's going to put you over the top, I believe. I I agree, and I just don't see them going that direction. That's what makes I me so upset. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think that's the right answer. And it's kind of weird because that's what the Cowboys identity has been for a long time is, you know, some sort of great running game to complement whatever quarterback is under center and they love to pay running backs, but yep. it just feels like they won't do it because it's not going to be one of their guys. Um, and look, I, I would love like, go get you a King Henry, go get you, Saquon, you know, Saquon and Jacobs are going to be really tough because it's going to be yep. multi-year deals for top market money. Um, I could see the King Henry, the Derrick Henry. I really could. Um, and I could see Tony Pollard coming back. Uh, it, the reason I could see Pollard coming back is because it would be like a two or three year deal. And looking at some of his market projections from people that are way smarter than me, 
he's barely going to make top 10 money in terms of per year salary. So if that holds true and he were to be like the number eight, number nine, number 10 highest paid running back in the NFL on a three-year deal that's not fully guaranteed, Mm -hmm. I'll take that because it's going to be less than what he was making on the franchise tag. He was making like $10 million on the franchise tag for one year. But if you have the luxury of giving him a multi-year deal where he's making like six and a half million, now you're cooking with gas because you've got a running bag. And then you go get that guy that you can pair with him that complements his running style, which would be a more power running back like a Derrick Henry. But if they're not going to go expensive and plus Henry, I think would only take a one year deal. Um, if they're not going to go expensive, a sleeper pick for me. Yeah. Would be the Gus bus. Gus Edwards. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Because you would only have to give him like a one, two year deal where he's making like 3 million a year. And he is a perfect compliment. He's like six one. He's well over 200 pounds. He's, they call him Gus bus for a reason. He runs like a damn bus. Yep. Like he is a great hard nosed power back that had just, he's coming off the best year of his career. I want to say over 800 rushing yards, a bunch of touchdowns. Like th- this is a guy that could absolutely fit that mold. So that's the wild thing you were talking about it before we started recording is that this free agent running back class is insane. Probably but, the best we've seen in a long time. Yeah, it, it's not even a probably. It has to be. It it quite literally has to be. This is so star-studded. And watch. This team that has that blue star in the helmet, they're not going to do anything about it. They're they're not going to get involved. <laughs> I'm I'm just I I hate to break it to you, but it's almost like this happens every year. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean there are a few other names, you know, I thought of, I mean, JK Dobbins, a guy coming off, you know, a couple back-to-back ACL injuries could come cheap, you know, assuming if you want to pair him with Tony Pollard, uh, AJ yeah. Dillon from Green Bay, another power back who was pretty banged up most of the season this year. Um, and even Deandre Swift, people forget when he went from Detroit to Philly, people kind of slept on that move. And, you know, I thought he was fairly efficient given the Eagles, uh, offensive woes last year as far as uh him running the ball catching the ball so there's there's a there's a plethora of options on the market it's just a matter of who are you going to pay or if you're going to give pollard you know the cheaper deal do you go with the draft route do you go with a, a gus edwards you know a cheaper back to pair with them and you know at the end of the day alec i think you're right they're not going to do anything <laughs> they won't do anything anyways so we'll, we'll just have to see what they do All right, we we ratted on the Cowboys a little bit. Appreciate you guys tuning in to AM on the FM, wherever you get your podcasts each and every Friday. But um, I promised shenanigans and just unserious conversation, mm-hmm. a little bit of get to know Alec. And no, not me. Our guest, Alec Solis. He is KRLD AM in Dallas, super producer, mm-hmm. as well as... Mr. All Things New Orleans Saints and NFL, uh, a guy that deserves the spotlight. So that's why the Creator's Corner and AM on the FM exists, baby. We're putting people on the map. But um, 
we're going to do a little bit of get to know uh, Alex Squared, if you will. Some right. some life conversations and whatnot. And so for the people that um, don't know how you've got gotten into this line of work and what you actually do in terms of like sports and NFL, uh, what mm-hmm. podcasts have you been a part of? Are you a part of? And how do you uh, how do you stay active in the NFL football sports media landscape? Yeah, so it's kind of fun, really. Uh, I currently write for the Canal Street Chronicles, which, is, of course, is part of the SB Nation uh, website covering the New Orleans Saints. Been doing that for a couple of years now. Uh, pretty, I won't say plugged in, but I know a good plethora of people who are plugged into the Saints, and uh, it's been a huge, huge blessing to be a part of that community. Uh, besides that, uh, I currently host a, a podcast as well and a YouTube channel called The Final Drive and that's just where me and the homies uh, pretty much we got a studio in Dallas we we just chop it up talk about the NFL the NBA a little bit of college football uh, and pop culture you know movies we're huge movie nerds we love we love us some Marvel and Star Wars content um, it's always fun and heated in those debates because our uh, <laughs> our fandoms kind of take over, if you will. But uh, no, you can find us on YouTube at The Final Drive Show. I, I still need to get Alec on. We need to have some Alec on Alec. Uh, yes, Final sir. Final Drive action. Need to have that happen one of these days. Uh, and like you mentioned, I work at KRLD currently. Uh, producer. Have, I've had... A handful of things go on the air, which is always a, a, a fun treat to have happen in the day. And uh, ah, that's, uh, man, I think that's about it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of boring compared to the other people you probably talk to. But uh, you, you just gave like a laundry list of things <laughs> that you do, and you're like, I'm kind of boring. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, it, it's it's been fun. It, it, you know, obviously, I'm sure we both heard this quite a bit from our, uh, you know, our our professors in college or people in this industry it is definitely a grind to say the least and you gotta do the grunt work you gotta do the holidays the weekends the overnights to kind of get where you want to be and uh, i think both both of us still are trying to do that grind we're not quite where we want to be yet but we're very much on the right track and uh you know like you said we share radio blood brother blood nonetheless so uh I'm just excited to be on this journey with you in the same building, Alec. I know. New building soon. <laughs> um, hey, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. About time. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it is incredible that, you know, same name aside, we are on the same journey, journey you know, trying to achieve the same goal. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's, it's a it's an odd place of you know knowing that you're nowhere near where you want to be, but you know that you're very much in the right direction. Right. Um, it, it's it's very odd, and trying to explain that to people is always a field trip, you know, just because they you, you kind of got to be in it to understand it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it, it's not like saying we're we're better than anyone. It's some exclusive club. It's just like. You know, it, I'm sure this happens in other fields too, but it's like, man, I, I have my foot in the door and my, I'm pointed in the right cardinal direction. I just gotta, I gotta weave my way through all the obstacles and we're trying our best. So that, that's why we're podcasting and whatnot, but having a yeah. good time doing so. And, um, 
you did mention before we continue the live talk, you did mention Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did see earlier that Ahmad Best, a.k.a. Jar Jar Binks, mm-hmm. uh, he posted a picture of himself wearing a motion capture suit. Say less. Saying, I'm sold already. I'm sold. Saying that he is working on a new Star Wars project. Quote, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. End quote. So. <sighs> still back. I, look, he was in the Mandalorian with uh, like a, a Jedi character, which was awesome. That was so cool. A, mm-hmm. a cool redemption yeah. arc for the human, not for the the character, but for the actor. Um, but he's wearing a motion capture suit, which means either one of two things, animation or CGI. And if it is the latter, that means George R. Binks is coming back in some form. So me personally, <laughs> I never understood the hate. I never seriously, did. seriously. So I'm happy to see this one for the actor himself, for the human himself, because he deserves it. And two, the character deserves redemption. Like, I don't hate Jar Jar Binks. What's, and I do, like you said, I don't get the slander Jar Jar Binks gets. I really don't. In The Phantom Menace, he's goofy. He's just, that's what, he's comic relief. Let him be comic relief. That's what he is, you know? And, you know, I understand Palpatine kind of plays him in the later movies, but still, like, he's 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 just the goofy side character. Let, let the man be in peace. And it feels like most stories have comic relief, you know? They do. So I don't know why he gets the unfair rub of it's you're because, doing too uh, much, you're dorky. I'll tell you, I'll t- I'll tell you why he gets the hate. It's because of uh, the, uh, the uh, how do you say, the uh, older Star Wars fan base uh, just hates the prequels for whatever reason. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, it, yeah. I, I kind of get it. Not the hate, but I get the dislike because growing up, I was not a big prequel guy. But as I got older, I started to really appreciate them because exactly. the fact that they are prequels, but they mm-hmm. literally came out after the rest of the story. So they're made for us. Yeah. So like I started to appreciate the fact that they backtracked and they successfully did so. Um, so, you know, I, I have no problem with Jar Jar B, uh, Binks coming back or really just any star Wars projects here lately just have me intrigued because I feel like they've been knocking it out of the park with everything they've done recently. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, like you said, I think Star Wars was something that was real lackluster when Disney first acquired it. And, you know, as of lately, they've really gotten it right with their projects and their animated projects as well. So um, I'm very much intrigued as to what Ahmad Best is up to uh, as far as what he's uh, while he's in that capture suit, because uh, if it's Jar Jar, then just uh, sign Misa up. As they say, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, sign me, you saw up. <laughs> See, I told you he's a so, man of many talents. He's a man of many talents. So, I am excited. <laughs> I am ecstatic. To I'm be forward. frank, I yeah, am here for it. And and you mentioned animated shows too. Uh, Bad Batch new season coming out this week as well. So 
All kinds of stuff to look forward to in the world of Star Wars, and I am not ready for the pain that I'm going to feel in that season. No, it's going to be so depressing. I'm not ready because half those clones, actually all those clones aren't even in the the projects after. So yeah, yeah, they're all about to die. Yeah, they're they're, Clone Force 99 is uh, all but done. And I, I just remember the pain I felt at the end of the final season of the Clone Wars. That was just, oh man, I was let me get so your opinion sad on whenever this. I saw, what's up? Let me get your, let me get your opinion. So in my opinion, I think the best Star Wars project thing Disney has done, people, a lot of people will tell you it's Rogue One. In my opinion, I think it's the last season of bringing back the Clone Wars. I think hands down, it's the, that's the best thing they've done with Star Wars since Disney acquired it. I wholeheartedly agree. Because yeah. they, one, they nailed the story. Like, everything just fits so well. The timing of it all, the yeah. pace yeah. was yeah. excellent. How it literally, it, it was an entire season of a show that fit into one movie. The the exact timeline of one movie. It, it was incredible. It really was. I thought they planned it out so well. But two, the emotional toll that season took on my brain was <sighs> incredible. I mean... The final episode where you're seeing Vader in the snow just staring at the Ahsoka uh, clone helmets. Mm-hmm. That's just... That 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 hurt. It really did. And then seeing like Rex having to fight back the urges to, you know, shoot Order Ahsoka. 66. Yeah, it was... Oh, man. I'm just like... It's replaying in my head now where Rex was literally like shaking. I'm like... Oh my God, an animated series has me about to cry. Peak television is what, and I think I remember in the Siege of Mandalore, like when Obi Wan is talking to Ahsoka, and he's like, uh, uh, he's like, any information we learn from Dooku, we cannot learn. And I'm like, huh? And he goes, because he's been killed by Anakin. And I was like, oh my God, it's episode three. It's playing out right now. And he's going to find Grievous and Utapau. I was like, oh, dude, they really, like you said, they put a whole season into the span of a movie. It's intriguing. Dave Filoni is incredibly good at what he does. And I'm excited for what's next for the franchise. I'm excited for movies to start rolling out again. I really Mm -hmm. am. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It feels like it's been forever because it quite literally has been um so i'm excited for the franchise i really am um i agree and i'm also excited because this week the next wave of uh lego star wars adult like diorama sets are coming out Mm -hmm. and there's a midi scale millennium falcon and i am so excited to go pick that up (laughs) you got your eyes on that one excited Yes, I. there's three MIDI scales coming out. The Millennium Falcon, the Invisible Hand, and the Tantive. All mm. some of the most iconic ships. And mm-hmm. uh, I showed you back when I was actually using my camera during this recording, um, one of my shelves, I have a bunch of Lego shelves. One of them has the MIDI scale Executor, and mm-hmm. I have the MIDI scale Death Star. So I'm trying to get that MIDI scale collection uh, up to speed and those new additions are going to be fire I cannot wait i love star wars man i love it i, I do i have a this. tattoo for a reason so 
<laughs> it's just, it, it's wonderful. I love being a dork. I really do. Really? Ser- Dude, let me tell you. So, like, last year when I got my tax refund, the first two things I bought, hands down, a replica Obi-Wan lightsaber from the Kenobi show. I had to have it. Because Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan is, like, my favorite, like, character, like, almost all the time. Uh... And then I got one of those uh, like fully functional Iron Man helmets. Like it retracts. Oh my god! It's voice activated and like it lights. It, it's such. It's so cool to have. Yeah, I, I do have to come over more. I that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm hearing. You're absolutely hey. right. Hey, hey, man, we can make a day out of it. It's just like I love being. Like you said, I love being a nerd. It is just it, like back in the '80s, it may have been fun to pick on nerds, but now. We up, we rise. We really are. And like yeah, some nerd, would argue yeah. that like it, it it's one of the mo- more attractive uh, personality traits, just because you have interests and you actually have motives Passions. outside yeah. of you know just talking to women. So yeah, yeah, like you got some, you got some something you're you're passionate about at the end of the day. All right. Speaking about uh, life decisions and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. What do you do in your free time? We were talking a little bit about, you know, the whole uh, industry and how this stuff works with us. What What do you do to keep yourself sane? Like, what are some of your, your <laughs> hobbies outside of work? Don't laugh because I know why you're laughing. Uh, like, what are some of the things you do to, like, decompress and to to keep yourself sane? Wait, why do you... <laughs> why do you think I was like... Why do you... How do you wait? Let me rephrase that question horribly. Ugh. What did you think I was laughing about? Because I said, I How do you I, keep yourself sane? And you're going to be like, <laughs> I don't. Oh, I don't. Yeah, 100%. The industry um, doesn't allow you to do that. No uh, friends in the industry. <laughs> so, what do I do in my free time? I love music. I'm a big music guy. So, whether I'm at the gym, whether I'm home or driving around, music is a big part of uh what i do every day I, I love it probably one of the best purchases of my life was spotify premium because god i need it um <laughs> other <Right>, things <laughs> oh uh besides that uh, as we mentioned i do i love watching movies i i could I, I could dedicate a whole day off to just watching movies and, and i would be okay with that um what else? What else? I, I played a flag football league, trying to get you on board. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to. Hey, we still, yeah, sign up still there if you want to sign up. Um, mm. <laughs> I have been told I am the team's Jason Witten. Uh, cool. That me that meaning I am. Uh, remember when they read mean tweets on uh, on uh, the um, one of the <laughs> night shows? Yeah. yeah, you know what they say about you know what they say about Witten? He's slow as hell, but it works. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's wooden. As long uh, as it works, that's all that matters. Yeah. I run the mean five yard option routes, and then it works every I mean, time. That stick option is crazy. Yeah, seriously, they can't stop me. So, uh, hence why my email is can't guard Al. Shout out to Michael Thomas. Um, I know. Wait, I, I was he, like, hey, I need your email so I can send you this invite link. And when I read that, I was like, please be fake. And then you actually joined the lobby, and I was like, dear God. <laughs> so. Uh, besides that, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting back at a, at a point in my life where 
uh, we, we hit a, a couple big bumps, but uh, being back with family and friends is something that's very important to me as of lately. Uh, so any opportunity to hang out with, with, with friends, going out, doing whatever, it's just a blessing now. So uh, it's been good for my mental health. Uh, all things like that. So it's good to have friends and go out and do stuff. You know, get away from the stress of the job, get away, whatever the job might be. Um, get away from that. Just enjoy the people around you because, uh, you know, it sounds real morbid, but I mean, at the end of the day, you don't know when the next day is going to be your last. So just live every day to your fullest. Uh, do what you love uh, and just enjoy life, man. Because, I mean, you're, we really are only here for a given amount of time and we do not know how long that time lasts. So do what you want with who you want and enjoy it. Toughest lesson that you've had to learn since adulthood has been what? Oh man, man, that's hard. Um, uh, I'll give you, I'll give the listeners the spark notes. Cause I think, you know, a lot uh, more about this behind the doors. Um, but I was, I was with someone for a long time and we it ended up not working out. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, I think we both were at fault for it not working out, but I just got to a place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even physically, where I just was at my lowest. And I just felt like crap every day. And I was working three different jobs, one of those being at KRLD. And uh, took a step back, got away from, you know, a lot of that. And, you know, uh, again, just got back home with friends and family. And, um, you know, you take it one day at a time, but as long as you're with the people you love and who care about you, uh, then you can get through whatever you're getting through. So just have a good supporting group around you who will, you know, be there for you and, uh, you know, you can do whatever you want. Support systems are absolutely integral to anything in life. And I don't think, uh, no, I was just saying, just no matter you're you're a part of that group for me. So just that's how much you mean to me, homie. So real love to you there, and likewise to you. Uh, like I think the industry tie helps because we understand each other a little mm-hmm. bit more. But at the same time, you know, I think because of that, it's helped the human aspect of getting to know each other has been, you know, it's been great. And I think mm-hmm. that um, it it didn't really hit me until after I became an adult. You know, and um, especially in the past couple of years, like, you know, I lost my mom a couple of years ago and seeing how um, big my support system was when I didn't realize it was quite literally breathtaking just to see the overflowing support from even people that I don't even know. You know, it, it was um, it was something special. And that made me realize that the people around me, one, alluding back to what you said a minute ago, you don't know when, you know, a moment is going to be your last at any given mm-hmm. time. So, like, you know, you never know how long those people are going to be able to stick around, not because, like, they don't want to be there, but because they physically can't. Um, and two, um, just how incredibly uh, important it was in that growth for me just knowing there are people out there that care 
as much as you do. You just got to go seek them out. You know, that mm-hmm. was a, that, that was a big thing for me. And so now like, I, I swear I don't talk to people on the phone. Uh, I barely text back. It's like, because if, if I really consider you one of those people, I'm usually spending time with you. You know, I'm not having to use social media to communicate, um, you know, so uh, it, it seems like I'm a very antisocial person from that aspect. Like if you just are getting to know me, it's like, damn, he's not on his phone and he's 22 years old. It's like, no, one, <laughs> I talk for a living. So I'm, you know, I'm always socially drained. And two, it's like usually if I need to be or want to be speaking to someone, they're sitting next to me. So. Uh, that's, that's been big growth for me because I was very much, especially like heading into my like age 18 year, it was like social media presence was everything. Like I was just dominating social media, growing my follower Mm -hmm. count and getting stuff to go viral and whatever. Now it's like the priorities have shifted. You know, I'm just trying to be with my people as much as I possibly can. And that's why I borderline get annoying with it. So, um, (laughs) You know, it that's uh that's probably been the biggest lesson for me. It, it it all comes down. I feel like most people's biggest lesson always has to tie in to relationships and you know the people that you choose to put around you. And it's just some sort of variation of one of those topics. And I think we kind of <laughs> we didn't help the stereotype there, but I think it's important just it's because human too. interaction is uh is really really big in life. If you didn't know, you know, you kind of got to talk to people to get places. So, um, very important stuff. And the big question that I love asking because Mm -hmm. it can go so many different directions (laughs) and a lot of people don't even know how to answer it for a good minute is interpret it as you may. Are you happy? Okay. So, uh, (laughs) I can answer this pretty, pretty quickly compared to your other guests. Uh, Yes, I am. And I say this again, tying back to uh, kind of my previous situation that you know about. Um, yeah, for for a long time, I really wasn't. I was in such a, a rut, um, probably the lowest point of my life. And when I kind of got away from that situation, uh, I came back home. Uh, I saw my friends a lot more. Uh, you know, my family and, you know, focus on the one job being, you know, at KRLD full-time now. Um, and, you know, just getting back in the swing of that, uh, getting back in the gym, you know, and, and whatnot. And, and yes, quite simply, I am happy. And I think it's the happiest I felt in a long time. And, uh, you know, and the industry certainly has something to do with that because of the opportunities that are being presented to me now uh, versus a year ago. And, you know, uh, getting on airtime, having to deal with situations, you know, at KRLD that require, and you, you know, but you know this as well, Medford, dealing with breaking news and live events where we kind of have to just go on to think on think on the fly and adapt, knowing that I can do it and that I I am at the right place and people, you know, at work have praised me for it because they know that I'm doing a good job makes me kind of feel like, huh, like I can do this, I am good enough to do it, um. So yes, I I am happy. Are you? Are you happy, Alec? Let me ask you. Are you good? Yeah. Oh, he throws it back on me. Um, <laughs> I got to check on the homie. You know, like if yeah. Uh, wow, the host turns <laughs> into the interviewee. Uh, 
you know, I think it, it's even hard for me to answer. Like, I would say, in general, I, I'd say I'm closer to being fully happy than I have been in a long time. Um, there you go. I say that because I think my, unfortunately, my definition of being happy is very derived on those around me and my status in life. So, uh, mm-hmm. like, I can be happy in a given moment. I'm happy when I'm talking into a microphone. So right now I'm happy. Uh, but mm-hmm. in general, it's like my definition of happy is, you know, my relationships are all stable and I am thriving in what I do. I'm not saying I'm not thriving in what I do right now, but I'm not where I want to be. So it's like, I can't be fully happy if I'm not happy with where I'm at. And then, you know, when it comes to the relationships thing, like, I think there's a lot of communication that needs to be fixed in certain areas by myself and other people in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I'm in this weird phase of, you know, finally stepping out of the house again and trying to figure out who I am in terms of social life. And, um, you know, I ended up meeting someone really, really cool, but, um, you know, there's nothing official there. And it's just like, you know, so it's like my definition of happy is where all of that is figured out across the board with everyone. And I'm out here thriving at what I think I was put on this earth to do. So, um, almost, I, I have not been this close in a long time. Like, cause I mentioned my mom, uh, leaving us a couple years ago. So really ever since then, it's been a very uphill battle of trying to get back here, but, uh, I'm definitely here now, um, because 2021 was a calendar horrible year. So ever since then it's been the slow climb and it feels like we're inching ever so closely to getting there. And it it totally feels like something that, you know, it's not all in my control and I'm glad it's not because life would be dumb if everything was in your control. Um, that this could be something that it's like the story is finished by the end of the year. You know, we, we get there by (laughs) the time 2025 hits like it very well could be at that point. So yeah, it, I, I think life would be a little less interesting if I was fully there. You know, you, you, you got to get stepped on a couple of times. You got to uh, navigate through some of the weird stuff and you got to work your way there. You can't just be given it. So yeah. yeah um, sure. But I'm glad to see that you have resurged a little bit in, um, in terms of your journey getting there and uh, you mentioned physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything getting better. It, it's noticeable even in your Instagram posts. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it, you can tell that's just like a that's a physically and mentally happier and healthier human. So big ups to you for uh, for powering through that. Because like you said, I was kind of there and I kind of saw it. So yeah, uh, yeah, seeing sure. seeing the growth. Uh, Big kudos to you. Got to got to give you the the round of applause for that one because uh, that that is definitely worthy of it. 
<laughs> like I said, man, I think you are you are equally a big part of my resurgence as well. And I know it's nice to have someone to talk about the things we go through at work together. Uh, I know two different stations, but we kind of go through the same problems. So yeah, it's same nice company. To have someone to talk to, and uh, you know, and like I said, you're you're part of my circle, homie. And uh, I'm just I'm just I'm thankful for you, dude. On the real, I am. I am thankful for you, my name brethren, radio brethren, and uh, that's why I brought you on the show, uh, because uh, there is something very special when you meet someone, anyone that just has similar goals and interests as you usually, that chemistry is pretty instantaneous, and that was definitely the case here. So uh, before yeah. we we wrap up shop, I'm going to ask you mm-hmm. to do me a favor and plug mm-hmm. Any of your outlets, social media, <laughs> uh, you know, YouTube channel, podcasts, uh, you know, USA Today, uh, whatever, uh, you know, SB Nation stuff you're doing, because uh, I was there at one point doing the writing grind with uh, USA Today and the Cowboys Wire, so I get it. Uh, so, yeah, plug where everybody can find your work. Yeah, it's real fun hitting those deadlines when you got to write stuff, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's awful. <laughs> Especially if you don't hit the deadlines and they go, hey, so uh, you get the, oh, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, so I will I will drop my stuff for you, Alec. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at The Final Drive Show. We kind of took a little break right before the NFL playoffs started. You know, just, the schedules weren't lining up. Now we're getting back in the swing of things. Uh, we talk about the NFL, the NBA, college football. And if you are into the Marvel, the Star Wars, and the film world, uh, we very much dive into that as well uh, on the Final Drive show at YouTube. You can find me on Twitter. I refuse to call it X because just no. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter uh, at Alec, A-L-E-C, Solace, S-A-L-A-S, 09. And then uh, if you want to give me a follow on Instagram, it's Al, Sal, S-A-L, Nine four two five, and uh, again, find my work on Kanastri Chronicles. You know, on Twitter, on uh, on the website itself, wherever that might be. Um, and I'm a, I'm a Saints fan in Dallas, so uh, if there are any Saints fans in Dallas, just uh, hit me up and let's uh, let's chat about Derek Carr and Dennis Allen and how fraudulent we are. <laughs> there should be plenty of yeah. those, and usually this music means it's time to go i usually give my spew i say the music means it's time to get out of here blah blah blah, blah. Uh, am on the fm you know but uh this is going to be very much an if you know you know situation mm-hmm. i think i have uh i think i have a bit of a a better way to send us off here because Remember, I got a roadcaster. I can pump some music into this mf if I want to. The 2010s so, jams, man, they just hit differently. They just hit differently. They so just do. This is how we're going to ride off into the sunset uh, for <laughs> Alex Solace, my dear friend, thanking him again for joining the program. My name is Alec Medford. This has been AM on the FM wherever you get your podcasts each and every Friday. And just remember that AM on the FM is H I M until next week.
take care of yourselves. Tell somebody you love them. Catch you next time. Kid that no one cared about. It's like you have to keep screaming till they hear you out. Wow.